Pass First point guard and Trailblazer reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Blazers your first listen every day. Free on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you every single weekday. So make it part of your daily routine and make it your first listen every single day. Today's show, talking about the Blazers lost to the Rockets. They they lost twice. Played the worst team, the team with the worst record in the NBA. Back-to-back home games Friday and Saturday evenings. The Blazers lose both of those games. A, a valiant effort uh, to uh, to continue to drop down the standings. There was a trend. Uh, there was an injury scare for Blazers forward Trenton Watford, but sounds like he is. It's not as bad as maybe it had initially appeared. And Keon Johnson, Blazers rookie, played his best game as a pro, best game in a Blazer uniform. We'll talk about all about that, and then we'll look at the Blazers' quest to continue to slide down the NBA standings. But before we do all that, let's do what we do at this time. It's your time for your fastest recap in the West. We'll just skip Friday's game. Quite frankly, the Blazers found themselves in that game on Friday, down 17 in a hurry and didn't get back. And they got walloped by, at the time, an 18-win Houston Rockets team. But they came back and played a pretty darn entertaining game on Saturday night, quite frankly. Uh, It was a one-point game at halftime, like good quality basketball. But the Blazers' offense just couldn't keep it going in the second half. They scored just 38 points in the second half of a 115-98 loss. Game got away in the third quarter from a seven-point lead or from a one-point deficit to a se- to an eight-point deficit, and then uh, early in the fourth, the Rockets just made sure that it was no doubt, and the Blazers lose that one, one fifteen ninety-eight. The final four minutes was you know a seventeen nineteen-point game. There wasn't really a true comeback push, despite the Blazers not absolutely falling behind until uh, about midway through that fourth quarter. That's Like I said, that's your fastest recap in the West. Jalen Green, rookie for the Rockets, led Houston with 25 points and six boards. Alperin Shangoon had 27 and seven. I guess if we're just doing who scores the most, he was actually your leader. Uh, Shangoon was really good off the bench. KJ Martin, 10 points, four boards off the bench. Christian Wood had 13, added two steals. Jason Tate had eight points and got into a scuff with Drew Scuffle with Drew Eubanks for the Rockets. On the Blazers' side, two guys led the way in scoring 15 for Brandon Williams, who finished with 15 and 8 rebounds. Trenton Watford added 15 points, 15 points, 10 boards, and 5 assists. And Drew Eubanks, his fourth double double as a Blazer, 14 points, 16 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. He was really good. Keon Johnson hit four three-pointers, finished with 14 points in 32 minutes. Ben McLemore had 11 off the bench. The news you really need to know in this one is that with about three minutes left, driving down the floor, Trenton Watford gets into the paint, doing what he does, which is take little Euro sidesteps, bouncing off two feet. He's not a leaper, but he's got um, that shiftiness side to side to get himself to the rim and kind of use his frame to get squared up. Stepped on Dennis Schroeder's foot, collapsed under the, the basket. And it was legitimately scary. Like, it was it was a scary moment. It seems he was kind of rolling around for a second, grabbing at his knee. Um, he, you know, everyone... The Rockets kind of came over and realized that he was in trouble. The the you know not in trouble, but hurt, right? Like actually hurt. Uh, eventually, the entire Blazers bench gets up off the bench and crowds around him. You never want to see that in an NBA game. If whenever you see all you know the whole team crowded around someone who's on the floor, you know that. It's a scary moment. Uh, he he was helped up and went to the locker room without putting any weight on his left leg. And in the moment, it felt it, it was felt scary, right? Like it, it's this you don't want to see anyone get hurt, particularly a guy like Trenton Watford, who has been the one of the bright spots for the Blazers in this sort of. Uh, 
situation where they don't care so much about winning in the second half of the season, where they've kind of turned the corner and said, we're going to be bad on purpose. Watford has been this hopeful spot for the future, right? Like he's like, oh, this guy might be able to help when the team gets good. He's one of the few players on this roster that's like, oh, maybe he could be part of whatever's next. And then Watford's there, you know, n- not able to put any weight on his knee and heading into the back. Uh, when Chauncey Bell spoke to reporters after the game, he told us that uh, at the, that Watford was getting an MRI. So we didn't really have an update as we left. But shortly, there, shortly thereafter, the Blazers released what amounts to just straight up wonderful news. Like... <laughs> Closing in on best case scenario, Trent Watford has a bone bruise uh, and, and and a hyperextended left knee. Uh, he's he's got he's got a bone bruise right there, at, like basically the 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 shin area and uh, a hyperextended knee, and he's going to be reevaluated in a week. So he's out for at least a week. But that is just such good news. No structural damage, no broken bones. He's not headed. You know, there's when 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 you leave the court without putting weight on your leg, there's always a consideration that it's way worse that we're talking ligament damage and all of those things and I think a bone bruise while this might keep Trent Wofford out for the rest of the season conceivably uh, although I think if he's healthy to play the Blazers wouldn't hesitate to bring him back but like it while it could be well it could put them in a in a, in a tough position because they need is they just need a size they don't have enough bigs you know so it's going to be a lot a lot a lot of Greg Brown who got poked in the eye and was also getting um poked in the eye only played six minutes in this game he, he had a uh, a what they called like a a bruised left eyeball. I think he just got poked really bad in the eye. looked looked um, looked bad. Uh, but like, they're gonna need Blazers could use Trent Wofford just for, to like to feel the team that's okay. But now he's going to you know okay like the the, the roster makes sense. Like they're really bad. They're the worst roster in the league. I don't mean to suggest that Trenton is the key by any means, but um just to like field a roster that has someone who you could point to and say that is a power forward. Uh, that would be um. <laughs> That would be Trendon, Trendon's role here. It's great news that he's that it's only a week. It's great news that it's no surgery. Great news that it's no... It could have been so many worse things. Like, that's just... It is what it is there. Like, it's just that... Uh, when you hurt yourself and are out for a week, this is the best case scenario the way he left the floor. So I was I was legitimately scared and leg, legitimately sad for Trendon. Or, like, it's just... I. I left, I went home that night thinking like, or I went home last night and I'm recording this on Sunday. This is Monday, March 28th show, but I'm recording this on a Sunday and I was worried for him, right? Like I was like, darn, this could be bad news. This could be legitimately bad news for him. So, um, I'm really, for me, it's just, it's, it's a relief to see that this isn't much worse. Uh, so, uh, so, um, I'm, an injury scare and maybe this ends his season and then, and, and the Blazers who are already really bad are going to get worse. But, uh, this is, you couldn't ask for sort of better, better news coming out of that. The other player who played really well in this game, who I want to talk about a little bit in the second segment is Keon Johnson. He was like, this was as, as well as Keon Johnson played. And I asked Chauncey Billups about where he's seen Keon grow the most in, in Keon Johnson's time around the team and his, in his sort of his brief stint with the Blazers. So let's talk about in the second segment, where has Chauncey Billups liked Keon? What does Keon needs to do to continue to evolve his game and where are the Blazers at with their rookie the former 21st pick in the 2021 NBA draft but before we do that I want to tell you about Bill Bar the best tasting protein bar on the market that's what they're doing they're building delicious bars 
Ain't nothing else. My favorites are peanut butter brownie and uh, and cookies and cream. But you'll find something that you like, whether that's coconut almond or raspberry or salted caramel or double chocolate. Whatever it is, you're going to find something delicious. and They're all going to pack a punch. Your average built Bar has 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and no more than 4 grams of net carbs. All tasty, all healthy. Go get yourself some. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your next order. That's Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right. Let's keep it rolling. Keon Johnson played well in this game. Not well enough maybe to lead the show and me to, you know, sing his praises and be jumping on all that. But Keon Johnson played well. He had his first three threes. Um, he, you know, he's leading the Blazers in scoring after a quarter. He finished with 14. He has, he has been... Um, Keon is one of those guys where it's like, he hasn't been very good, right? He's not, he just turned 20. He looks like a guy who just turned 20. Most rookies struggle in the league. He's a rookie struggling in the league, but Keon is a guy where he has enough physical gifts that you kind of like, you can see it with him, right? Like you can watch him play and be like, Oh, interesting. And, um, I think we've seen these little flashes, but I think this was close to the first game where he's had like you know, several good shifts of, of looking competent, several good shifts of looking like, um, close to an NBA player. So I asked Chauncey Billups after the game, I said, you know, where have you seen Keon grow the most? Keon's played 14 games for the Blazers. He started both games against Houston this weekend. Uh, I would imagine that if Justice Winslow, who missed this game with a calf injury, is is out, I, they'll probably roll with a lot of Keon moving forward. Maybe you'll get a little bit of Brandon Williams and Chris Dunn together, but I think Keon is just like, you might as well play him. Uh, to, he's in a situation where you, might, you just might as well play him at this point. Uh, and... I like I know that Keon is like a fan favorite. That's kind of why I may be trading lightly here. I know people really like Keon Johnson. I, I haven't really seen enough of him play well where I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, you know, 32 minutes on Saturday night, I think was the first time where I'm like, hey, there are some there is not like some stuff. Like I think the stuff is obvious to see. There's he gets the ball occasionally and he makes a move a spin move or a straight line drive or a one dribble cut where it's just like, oh, he has an explosiveness and an athleticism that other people don't have. And you can see those physical gifts with him. But I think uh, Saturday was one of the first nights where the jumper was falling and I thought, okay, this would this would be what opens up the rest of his game. It's quite frankly just like making four three-pointers. It, you start to say like, if he makes threes, this is a different player. So I asked Chauncey Billups where he's seen Keon grow. And I think his answer was not very glowing. And it was an explanation of maybe why we haven't seen more Keon this year. Basically, he said he's really young and he's still learning what we want to do. And he's still learning how to pay attention to the game plan that we have. And that is, that is quite frankly, kind of where you see uh, coaches, even with Billups, who knows that he is coaching a team that wants to lose. Like Chauncey is confused about what's happening. He's not, there's nothing that's going to sneak up on him and surprise him about sort of the Blazers plan, but he is still out there trying to win games, right? Like he's still, he, he would like, he, he doesn't want it to go poorly. So he, he's playing Ben McMore because those minutes, you know, you can count on he'll, he'll, he'll lean CJ Elby because the, the, like while Elby doesn't maybe have as much upside, he's just less mistakes. He'll just do things the right way. Uh, it's why early in the year he was playing, uh, Tony, Tony Snell so much. Cause it's like just the low level of screw ups are what coaches are looking for. They want to see the low, uh, F ups basically. Like if you screw up too many times, you've up too many times, <laughs> then the coach isn't going to play you. And I think that's what Chauncey Billups 
comment after the game said about Keon was like, he doesn't always do the game plan. He doesn't always like, we want to guard a guy like this. He's not guarding him like this. He's, he's letting him get to his strong hand. He's not top locking, which is like, you know, being on front of the, being on top of the defender. So they can't get back to the ball at the top of the key. Like he's not hitting the game plan stuff. But Chauncey Billups also said like, he's, he's getting reps. He's learning. And part of our job as a coaching staff is to help him learn. I don't think that Keon Johnson hitting four three-pointers, quite frankly, changes any of the calculation, but it does hint at what he can be. Um, you know, there was still some some tough decision-making that he made, um, like just a questionable, like, when to pass, when to shoot. He drives into people's chests too much, uh, stuff like that on offense, but... If he makes jumpers, it opens up his crazy athleticism. I think he's an okay passer. He's not. He doesn't have the high-level reads yet to make passes, but he's he makes some spin moves, find a guy baseline type stuff. Where if the game does slow down for him, I, I'm a believer that Keon could get there. Uh, I don't know sort of when that's going to be, and I think his the overall sort of decision making, decision tree stuff is still a little uh, dicey for Keon, but. I think you saw his potential here. I think this is one of those games where you truly, truly saw Keon's potential, and that's the exciting part, right? Is like you get, uh, I think Saturday evening, you got to see like him put together thirty some minutes of looking like, um, looking like the version of Keon that could help. Not like something crazy special, but f- you know he'd still turn the ball over five times and committed some bad fouls, but he blocked two shots, one that he jumped so f- so high on, like eleven and a half feet to get up and block a shot. You know if he makes his three pointers, he's just a different type of player. Uh, I want to see him. You know, played twenty two minutes on Friday night. He played thirty two on Saturday. Uh, that was without Greg Brown, so they had to go a little smaller at the end of the game. But now without Trent Watford for a week, let's get thirty minutes of Keon each night. Let's get him. To continue to get game reps, continue to get that confidence, continue to get there because I think the sort of the little bit that we saw was, uh, that was the first night, Saturday, I'll just like call it what it is. Saturday was the first night that I was legitimately intrigued with what Keon brings to the table. Otherwise, I've just known that people like Keon and I'm like, oh, I don't totally get it. Saturday was also just a good deal for the Blazers. A lot of good stuff happened outside of um, outside of this game. Like obviously, it, it looked like it was going to be really bad with the traded injury and so I wasn't going to, it's like no time to celebrate an important loss, but Quite frankly, I thought the Blazers were going to split this series with Houston. Uh, I, I did not see a scenario in which they lost both of the game, both games to a team as bad as Houston is. And when they were right in it in the third quarter, you know, tied at 75, mid, you know, five minutes into the third quarter, I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, not uh-oh, I don't care. I don't care if they win, but like it's better for them if they... Um, it's better for them if they lose. And I thought they would, I thought particularly after the way they played on Friday where they were just bad um, and got punked early and were not competitive in the game basically at all. Uh, I thought they might bounce back and like just find it because Houston is Houston is young enough, inexperienced enough to kind of give them some space. Houston's roster is better than Portland's roster at this stage. And then when you, you know, lose Trenton for the final three minutes, game was over at that point. But you take Trenton out of the conversation, that's their way worse. You didn't have Greg Brown, which is just another athlete to kind of add some add to the chaos. He didn't play in the second half uh, after getting poked in the eye in the first half. So I kind of thought the Blazers were going to find a way to win one of these Houston games, but because they didn't, Saturday turned out to be a really legitimately good game for your Portland Trailblazers, an importantly good game for the for your Portland Trailblazers. Uh, the 
the earlier in the day, Sacramento Kings came back in overtime to beat the Orlando Magic. The Magic was one of the worst records in the league. And the Kings, a team the Blazers are, are trying to fall behind in the standings. The Kings, who won on Wednesday night without DeMontis Sabonis and without De'Aaron Fox, they, they beat Indiana uh, in Indiana and then go to Orlando and win another game on the road against a bad team. Two huge wins as far as the Blazers are concerned. And then the uh, the... Pelicans made a late charge but still came up short against the Spurs. That is a double whammy of excellence for the Blazers. The Pelicans lose, knocking them you know, deeper into 10th place and putting um, at least a ch- there's still a reasonable chance that the Pelicans miss the play-in altogether, particularly we'll talk about this to close the show, like with what's coming ahead for, for the Portland Trail Blazers. They can help themselves in that, in that manner. And and the Spurs winning put some more distance in front of the Blazers. That it was a it is a was a legitimately good day on Saturday for the house that Joe Cronin unbuilt. It was it was a special night. So let's talk a little bit more about the standings. Let's take a look at where we are heading into heading into Monday's uh, Monday's slate of games and the look ahead of the Blazers' week and the important games on their schedule because there's some big ones coming up this in the next seven days. That's what we'll do in the second segment or the third segment to close out the show. But first, I want to tell you about NBA Top Shot. It's uh, a sponsor of this program and the official licensed NFT of the NBA. You can connect with a community of hundreds of thousands of NBA fans as a natural progression of fantasy sports, a way to upgrade your experience as an NBA fan. This is the future of what being an NBA fan looks like, and it's part trading cards, part stock market, part fantasy sports, and part airline royalty program, because the more you play, the more you get rewarded for being involved in the Top Shot community. What you're buying is a unique NBA highlights, a unique NBA moment that is captured on the blockchain. You might be asking, why would I buy a highlight when I can watch it on YouTube for free? Listen, it's not just about watching the highlight. It's about having an ownership stake and what's akin to a stock market for the NBA's greatest highlights. If you were to tell someone in 1916 that your picture of your piece of cardboard with a picture of Babe Ruth's face on it would be worth a million dollars one day. Everyone would think you're crazy. This is the opening tip of the digital age and the NBA's officially licensed NFT will be a big part of that digital age. Imagine when NFTs are mainstream, even on social media. You'll be able to flex what you own around the world instantly. No binders, no shoe boxes, no sleeves, no nothing. You'll just be able to point them to the spot where your NFT exists, where your top shot moment exists. If you sign up today, the best way to get started is to buy yourself a starter pack where you can pull NBA superstars like LeBron or Damian Lillard or Kevin Durant or star rookies like Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley or Greg Brown the third. That's going to cost you nine bucks for uh, for the starter pack. And if you didn't pull your favorite player from the starter pack, you can always snag moments from the marketplace that appeal to you. That's NBA Top Shot. Check it out. See what you like. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com, the fastest, excuse me, The family business that's been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years, they specialize in helping do-it-yourselfers, and they specialize in helping do-it-yourselfers because they make it easy and time-wise, and they make it cheaper. You can save 30, 50, even 100% more on car parts than if you go to a chain auto parts store, you go to the dealership. Rock Auto is, has been helping do-it-yourselfers. They do not have a physical location that has to has an inventory limit. They're a website that specializes in doing this. They've got everything for every make and model. Like I said, all the parts, and you're going to save some money. So why not head over to their website, rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way they know we sent you. It's amazing selection with live low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Still a pass for his point guard. 
still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. So we talked Blazers lost to the Rockets. We talked Trent Watford news. We talked to Keon Johnson. We were starting to talk a little bit about the Blazers slide down the standing. Saturday, a good night. A, a Kings win, a Pelicans loss, a Spurs win, a Blazers loss. The Blazers on Monday play the Oklahoma City Thunder with a chance to go ahead and keep on losing. They're not going to have Trent Watford in that game. I think there's a chance the Blazers get it done. But really, this is just a big week for the Blazers. Uh Wednesday evening, they play the New Orleans Pelicans. That's March 30th. They're going to come back and they're going to get... <laughs> they're going to get the return of of CJ McCollum. And I think a lot of fans have said like, the Blazers absolutely have to win that game. They need to activate everybody. Josh Hart's got to be healthy. Nurk's got to be healthy. You know, bring everyone back and absolutely win it. I don't think that's the way it's going to go. Like I, I understand the sort of logic of that, but I don't think that's the way it's going to go. I think the way it's going to go is that uh, the Blazers... Just say, hey, we got to lose as much as possible because our draft odds are maybe more important. And even one, you know, the Pelicans, they kind of got to, they kind of got to take care of themselves. Like you, you, you can't meddle with it too much. You want them to have two road games to the into the play-in. You want them to finish tenth. Hell, you want them to finish eleventh and just miss the play-in altogether. And I think there's an outside chance that that happens. But you. Even if the Blazers come back, if the Blazers come back and beat the Pelicans, I don't. I think it does the Blazers too much damage in their pursuit of lower, of better draft odds, and doesn't impact the Pelicans enough. So I don't think Wednesday is going to come up where the Blazers like get everybody in the sweatsuit gang, which is what I've been calling all the guys who are on the end of the Blazers bench wearing sweatsuits to work because they're not wearing jerseys. Um, no, the sweatsuit gang is not going to just magically come back and play in that one. Um, I mean, if they do, boy, would it be fun um, and like a real question. The league would maybe uh, have turn a uh, an eyebrow up at the Blazers. But I think that that game, the Blazers are just going to straight up play it, straight, play it straight up, probably lose because that's that's the way this thing is going to work. But uh, more importantly, the Blazers next two games after that against the San Antonio Spurs and they if they lose those. Then you think about it like this. You're giving the Pelicans one win, but you're giving the Spurs two wins. You want the Spurs to have a chance to catch New Orleans. That's your best case scenario, right? Like, I don't think you can... You're better off put the Spurs who already, you know, beat the beat the New Orleans this weekend, a huge, huge win for San Antonio. You want to just give those Spurs those two more wins. That Those are the more important games for the Blazers. Make sure you lose those two and, and hook up the Spurs because you can't worry too much about the Pelicans. Uh, the Pelicans tonight, really big one, New Orleans tonight. I'm recording this uh, Sunday afternoon before 2 p.m., before the tip-off of the Carolina game. So I don't know what happened. You don't know if I'm excited. You don't know if I'm excited or not. Long-time listeners, uh, you'll know on Monday. Uh, but uh, the at 4 p.m., you know, a couple hours from now, two hours from now, the Pelicans and Lakers play. Huge game. Uh, Lakers are ahead of them in the standings right now. This win is, you know, when you go head-to-head with effectively two games, you got to root heavily, 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 heavily for the Lakers. Incredibly important game this evening. Uh, this game's going to, this, sh- this show is going to publish, like, shortly after that tips off so this particular one minute segment i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spend any time talking about that game because it has no shelf life but needless to say go lakers or if you're uh listening afterwards 
man, can't believe the Lakers won, or darn, can't trust LeBron and the Lakers. But that's a, that's an incredibly incredibly important game. And just as an update on the standings, and this is a thing that we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, we're going to shift to a bunch of draft stuff in the next coming week. We're not going to talk, you know, I'm not going to talk much. I'm going to talk less and less about the games, but we had some news, and I wanted to talk a little about Keon because I thought he had his best game. I don't want to spend too, too much time belaboring the importance of Blazers' losses, but they're important nonetheless. The Kings, like I said, they beat Indiana, they beat Orlando, they've won two straight. The Blazers have now lost three in a row since beating the Detroit Pistons. And the Kings, who uh, just keep doing it, I do not think, or at least according to... um, uh, according to reports out of Sacramento, there's speculation that De'Aaron Fox and Demontis Sabonis will not return for the Sacramento Kings for the remainder of the season. So they are also on it. But st- nonetheless, despite that, Sacramento won two in a row and the Blazers just a half game ahead of the Kings. The Blazers, are, as I'm recording this, are 27 and 47. The Kings are 27 and 48, tied in the win column, which is the important column to watch here. Uh, I really thought the Blazers were going to split these games against Houston. They did themselves a solid to get in the position they are in. They are just one half game ahead of Sacramento. The difference in seventh, where the Blazers sit now, a 32% chance at a top four pick versus a 37.2% chance at a top four pick. It is it is significantly higher, a 5.5% increase by just getting in front of Sacramento. I don't think the Blazers can catch the Indiana, who's two and a half games ahead of the Blazers. They're 25 and 50, you know, two two, two below them in the loss column. I'm not sure the Blazers are going to be able to catch them, although the Blazers are going to lose a bunch of games and they might get there. Um, They're going to believe in the cause, but uh, Indiana's pretty, um, also not very good. But the Blazers did get that important loss to the Blazers last week. So I think the sixth worst record in the NBA is in play for Portland. I don't think the fifth worst record in the NBA is in Portland, but this is a big week. Lose to OKC, lose to New Orleans, lose a couple games to San Antonio. The best case scenario is that the Blazers finish with the sixth worst record in the league. I mean, it's fifth, but like reasonable best case scenario is that the Blazers uh, finish with the sixth worst record in the league and that uh, the Pels lose tonight to the Lakers. The Blazers give San Antonio a couple more wins and the Spurs catch New Orleans in that race for the final play-in seed. The easiest, simplest math for like how does this pick work is if New Orleans just straight up misses the playoffs, the pick can get to as low as 7th. They would owe the Blazers the 7th pick. Imagine a scenario where the Blazers are picking 2nd and 7th in this draft. Wouldn't all the losses feel worth it? Maybe not, because the losses kind of, um, they wear you down a little bit. The Blazers aren't particularly entertaining, but it would make... A, a, like a one and seven, two and seven type trade off, two and eight type trade off for for that's as low as the Blazers pick can get now, or the Nolans pick can get now is eight. I think it'll end up being ninth if I had to guess where it ends up. But uh, just because that's if they finish where I think they're going to finish in tenth place, there's a fifty percent chance, over fifty percent chance it finishes in ninth. That's just easy math, courtesy of our friends at Tankathon.com. But that's that's your sort of the week ahead update. The Blazers. They got four losable games. They need to go ahead and lose them all and put them in the best situation. And losing those two to the Spurs will help their overall cause of having San Antonio chase down New Orleans. Seems relatively unlikely, uh, but, you know, New Orleans is playing a bunch of young guys. It's their their health situation. is It's still, um, even with CJ McCollum back in the lineup, is still a little bit dicey. So certainly possible. That's the week ahead. We've got more shows for you. Got an interview. Uh, Wednesday's show is going to be an interview with Mark Schindler uh, of Basketball News and a couple other places. Uh, a really great basketball mind, someone I'm really excited to bring on the show. Uh, trying to line up another interview for later in the week. We'll do a mailbag. We'll recap the games on Monday and Wednesday. we got a whole bunch of fun coming. Come back. Tell your friends to come back. Search, wherever you're looking for us, just search Locked on Blazers and you'll find us. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.